Have we got? There we go. Thank you, Mark. Come on in and take a seat. Did you guys not see the countdown? You're supposed to be in your seats. We need a buzzer now? Okay. All right. All right. That's what we're missing. A buzzer. The class bell. Time to change classes. All right. Well, I wanted to first of all greet a couple of visitors that we have with us. Uh, For those of you that did not notice, sitting on the third row on the south side of the church is Paul and Donna Schultz, who have come stateside for a visit, and we're grateful that they're able to be with us, see all the grandkids, and celebrate the holidays with family, but we're glad they can be with us, and actually you will get to hear uh, them share next week. So plan on that. Make sure you're here. Let everybody know. Um, how many of you like games? How many of you like word games? Like, you know, uh, words for friends, uh, boggle, scrabble, scramble, you know, word for game. Right, Okay. Uh, I want to play a game with you, but it's not really a game. It's actually a psychological test because with it, I'm going to be able to know what kind of person you really are. So, here is the not word game. I want to do something called word association. How many of you know what word association is? It's where somebody says a word and you say the first thing that comes to mind. The very first thing. You don't process it. You don't think about it. You don't logically go through all the steps and try to come up with it. What you think, I think, is the right answer. That's called school. This is not school. What I'm talking about is you saying the very first thing that comes to your mind. So, for example, I might say the word Robin. How would you respond? Bird. Murphy. Mrs. You know, all kinds of different options that you've got out there. However... That's not the word I'm going to say. So I'm going to say a word, and I want you to think. I don't want you to say it out loud, though. I know this is going to be especially tough, because if you think it, the temptation is to process it. And I don't want you to process it. I want you to remember the first word that comes to your mind. Okay? All right, ready? I'm going to do it on three. One, two, three. The word is... What is the word? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) The word is November. Uh, what did I say? I said don't speak. You guys can't even pay attention. November. All right. For those of you that had a word come to your mind, could you raise your hands? Okay. What did you have? I'm sorry, what? Thanksgiving. Anybody who had Thanksgiving, put your hand down. Down. Fall. Anybody who had fall, put your hand down. Hannah, yeah. I'm sorry, what? National Novel Writing Month? All the rest of you keep your hands up. (laughs) Jack. All the rest of you keep your hands up. It runs in the family. Jennifer. Oh, wait, wait. Did you have your hand up? Turkey. Okay. If you have turkey in your mind, put your hand down. Jennifer. First? Oh, okay, all right, all right. Put your hand down if you had November 1st. John? Huh? Rut. Rut, 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 rut. 
Okay, anybody had rut? I don't know. Put your hands down. April. No shave. I agree. Thank you. Leo. December. We already had December. That was the weird answer up here with Jack. Jonathan. I can't hear you. Saturate. Okay, good. I'm looking over here. Leo. What did I say? Did I say Leo? Unbelievable. I was thinking in that corner is the Leo corner. Ken. Snow. Okay. Don't anybody else raise your hand. No. Okay. Yeah, Brooke. Birthdays. John. Deer season. Again, hands go down. Cold. I agree. My hands down. Ian. All right, on a psychological level, <laughs> Sarah, huh? Ben, I know that. Okay, so a lot of things go on in November that make you think about it. Things like fall, leaves, the colors change, Thanksgiving, all those cool kinds of things go on. For some, it's about Black Fridays. For some, it's about Cyber Monday coming up. All those kinds of things, gorging on turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes, but no squash, I'm sorry. Uh, well, depends upon how you make squash. If you make it with a lot of brown sugar and a lot of sweet stuff to it, then, then it's edible, okay? Um, how many of you enjoy this time of the year, this season of the year? This is like your favorite time, fall. Okay, for some of you, that's where it is. I don't know if you thought about it or not, but this season of the year in which we celebrate a holiday, I believe it is... Pretty unusual, actually, at least for America. During this month, all things remaining equal, although he has done some pretty different things, this season of the year, this coming week, our President Trump will actually give the Thanksgiving proclamation that is done annually. And in that proclamation, our very secular government that almost chokes on the idea of God will actually say that we should actually take time to give thanks, to be grateful. I think the natural, logical thought process ought to be, when they say we should give thanks, your next question ought to be, to whom? Um, there's a woman, uh, maybe you've heard of her, Harriet Martineau. Any of you ever heard of Harriet Martineau? She was a very famous sociologist, but she was not known so much for her sociology as much as she was known for the fact that she loudly proclaimed that she was an atheist. And she talks about one day in her life that became a change point forever. She went out of the door of her house and down her steps, and it was a beautiful fall day. And she looked around at the trees, that were, the trees with the leaves filtering down and beautiful warmth, but still it was just like evoking every image you can imagine that surrounds fall. And as she looked around, she threw her arms out and she said, I'm just so thankful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And a friend who lived right next door to her who was a believer saw that happening and came down the steps and came over and greeted Harriet. And Harriet says, don't you feel so grateful? And she said to her friend Harriet, my dear, to whom are you grateful? And that question changed Harriet's life from that point on. To whom are you grateful? 
Our culture readily makes Christmas about Santa Claus and the tree and presents. It makes Easter about the Easter bunny and colored eggs. But there's something kind of unique about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a kind of unusual holiday. I don't know if you've thought about it yet. But at Thanksgiving time, you tend to get the family together. Some of them who don't even necessarily like each other, but you get them together. And they sit right next to each other at a table where they're eating food. And that's kind of how I see Thanksgiving on a kind of a national level. We take God and family and we seat them right next to government and society like they're kissing cousins. And we say, now get along and be grateful. So it's kind of a pretty unusual holiday. Uh, The title of my message this morning, by the way, is A Proper Perspective on Thanksgiving. I don't know if you've given it much thought, uh, but Thanksgiving is Thursday. You guys do realize that, right? How many of you have your turkey out thawing? Yeah, okay. All right, all right. I I just wanted to make sure because I didn't want another emergency like what happened for Kathy last week for our Thanksgiving dinner. I just don't want that to happen. You'll have to ask them about it. But if you're going to ask them, I would recommend you ask John because he tells a better story, okay? Um, But anyways, Thanksgiving is Thursday, and on that one day in which we, like the early pilgrims back in 1623, we set aside everything in our oh-so-important schedules, and we actually take time to give thanks. One day. One stinking day. Is that really all it takes, is one day to be thankful? Now, I want to say to you, I think it's good to give thanks on that day. I think it's good to go around the table and say, what are you thankful for? But really, only one day? That's not what the Bible says, by the way. I have some verses I'm going to put up here on the screen for you. You can just kind of follow along. You don't have to turn in your Bible unless you would really like to. Uh, Ephesians 5.19 says this, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Paul goes on to say, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, in the context, it's clear that Paul's major theme is thanksgiving. It's gratitude. But there's some other key words I want you to notice on those that we read. It's, it's words like always. Without ceasing. In everything. And to be clear, Paul was not, in those verses, in the context, Paul was not talking about a church service. He wasn't even talking about our Thanksgiving Day, because he knew nothing about it, but he wasn't talking about one day a year in which you set aside to give thanks. He was talking about an everyday attitude of heart. He was talking about not mere thanksgiving, as important as that is, He was talking about thanks living. Living with an attitude of gratitude for your life. But you might wonder, how can we have this attitude of gratitude on a daily basis in the midst of everything that we deal with? You might ask that kind of question, and if you did, I'm glad you would, because I would like to talk to you about it today. That's kind of where I'm going. Why Thanksgiving? Why are we about this? Um, I believe the answer lies in our perspective. 
It's how you see things. Are you a glass half full kind of person? Or are you a glass half empty kind of person? Or are you a glass empty kind of person? What's your perspective? Stories told of a young woman who wrote home to her mom from college and she said this, Dear Mom, sorry I haven't written sooner. My arm really has been broken. I broke it and my left leg too when I jumped from the second floor of my dormitory where we had a fire. We were lucky. A young service station attendant saw the blaze and called the fire department. They were there in minutes. I was only in the hospital for a few days, but Paul, the service station attendant, came to see me every day. And because it was taking so long to get our dormitory livable again, I moved in with Paul. He's been so nice. I have to confess to you, Mom, that I'm pregnant. And Paul and I plan to get married just as soon as he can get a divorce. I hope things are fine at home. I'm doing fine. And we'll write more when I get the chance. Love, your daughter, Susie. P.S. None of the above is true, but I did get a C in sociology and I flunked chemistry. I just wanted you to receive that news with the proper perspective. For even Christians in the U.S. of A., it's easy to develop a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of attitude toward people and toward God. I believe there are three attitudes that are very prevalent within our culture that make it easy to develop that kind of attitude of what have you done for me lately. Number one, first and foremost, is the attitude of pride. This is one where it says nobody ever gave me anything. I've worked hard for everything that I have and I've finally come into my own. It's finally paying off. With that kind of attitude, the natural question that arises in your soul is I have nobody to thank, right? Except for myself. It's like I did life my way. I did it the old-fashioned way. I worked for it. So I don't owe thanks to anybody. The second attitude that I find so prevalent is a critical spirit, or another way of saying that would be constant complaining. Instead of being grateful, this person seems to always find something to complain about. Have you ever met somebody like that? That no matter what's going on in life, they can find the negative side of it. They can find the downside. They can find something that's going to be wrong about it. Not what might be a potential. What might be a good thing, they're going to find what's bad about it. Um, we, we saw this last week at the Harvest Dinner. Uh, we had the Harvest Dinner, which, by the way, I, I appreciate so much all of the work that you guys did. I thank you for your apple pie. Uh, I thank you guys for all of your service. All of it. I ate two pieces. I'm sorry. I felt bad afterwards. Anyways, while I was eating it, I didn't feel bad at all. Um, we had this Harvest Dinner in which people can come and basically eat as much as they like. We had firsts, and everybody comes through. And we said to everybody serving, be a little bit aware. we got a lot of people here. want to make sure we have enough food. We got all done. We had so much food still out in the kitchen. We said, let them go through again. So we had seconds. Then we had thirds. Then we had fourths. Then we had takeout. And I'm not exaggerating. We still had people complaining. I didn't get as big a portion as I wanted. When I went through the first time, you didn't give me as much as I wanted, and I had to go through again. We had people complaining that they didn't get the kind of food. Oh, you don't have this? Don't you always have this? All right. Well, I like cream corn. I don't like regular corn. No, I can't eat that. No. What kind of stuffing is this? Because I don't like that real stuffing that you actually put inside of a dead carcass. I want, you know, like stovetop stuffing. Do you have stovetop stuffing? 
literal things said. And I loved what Sarah said, Sarah Usharova. Uh, she overheard one of those comments that was said. And she says, this is where I tell my children the correct answer to your question is, say thank you. Just say thank you. The third attitude <coughs> that keeps us from being grateful as a culture is what I call carelessness. I'm not sure, but I think it was my father-in-law who said that if the stars only came out once a year, we would stay out all night to watch them. But because they're out every single night, we get so used to seeing them, we don't even pay any attention to them anymore. We get careless about the glory of the heavens. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I don't know if you've thought about our solar system at all, but I was reading an article, a book, this week, and I was struck with this thought. There are eight or nine, depending upon what you believe about one of our planets, there are eight or nine major planets in our solar system. They range from 36 million miles to 3.5 trillion miles from the center of our system, which is the sun. <coughs> they revolve around the sun in an orbit that is consistent constantly. Our planet sits on its axis. Like if there was a rod going through the center of our planet, our planet sits at a 23 degree angle all the time. And if it were to veer off even a little bit, we would either become ice age or we would become an oven in which everything would be baked. But for centuries, it has held its angle and it has held its orbit around the sun. And the orbits of all of the planets around the sun go anywhere from Mercury, which is 88 days it takes to go around the sun, to Pluto, which takes 248 years to go around the sun. And oh, by the way, our sun is one of the least special stars among the billions of stars in our whole solar system. It's one. And it takes up such a huge amount of our space. But we don't pay any attention to it because we get so used to it just being there. It's all going to work right. We get up in the morning. And your body, your bodies are amazing. It's not just the macro picture. What about the micro picture? That God gives you... I mean, think about it. Um, I was with um, um, Buddy recently. Thank you. I knew he was here somewhere. And he was talking about the passing of his dad. And that's always hard. I don't know about for you. I've lost both of my parents now and my uh, father-in-law. It doesn't matter how much you know what's going to happen, how much you prepare for it. It hits you hard. It's a, it's a hard loss. It's like an anchor in your life is gone. And he shared how his father had the onset of uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, and by the end had even forgotten how to swallow. Now think about it. You just take that for granted. You put turkey in your mouth on Thanksgiving Day, you chew it up and you swallow it without a thought. But that actually takes muscles working and your body has to do it in the right way. We take so much for granted. That's called carelessness. Carelessness, critical spirit of complaining, and then pride. The reasons why we don't give thanks. 
What I want to do very briefly this morning, in recognition that I believe of all nations on earth that ought to be grateful, it ought to be us. And of all people within our nation that ought to be grateful, it ought to be we believers. We ought to live a life of gratitude because God has been so kind to us, so merciful, so gracious to us. So I want to give you three things that I think the Bible says about gratitude, about thanksgiving, even from the verses that I've read. So I'm going to do that really quickly. Uh, a scriptural understanding of thanksgiving. Number one, thanksgiving needs to be expressed. Uh, we used to sing a song out of Psalm 100, I will enter his gates with... Okay, but thanksgiving in your heart isn't really thanksgiving. If you don't give the thanks, if it remains in your heart, it's not thanksgiving at all. It might be gratitude, but if you've got thanksgiving in your heart, it better come out of your mouth. Um, Psalm 107 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. It's not really thanksgiving if you don't give it. And it will never be then thanksgiving. Uh, if you want, you can turn in your Bibles quickly to Luke 17, or it'll be up on the screen in front of you. I want to read very quickly a story about ten men who had reason to be thankful. Luke 17, verse 11. <clears throat> now it happened as he, Jesus, went into Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. Now remember, in their culture, leprosy was any kind of skin disease that made you unclean, defiled, and unable to be in common public. So you were ostracized from the general population. You were secluded off on your own. These ten men met him. They were lepers. They stood afar off so as to not contaminate. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priests. And so it was that as they went, say as they went. As they went, they were cleansed. They were healed. And one of them said, when he saw that he was healed, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and said with a loud voice, glorifying God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed but where are the nine were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner and he said to him Jesus said to the Samaritan who had been cleansed arise go your way your faith has made you well the children's chorus that we used to sing as kids was only one came back to give thanks to the Lord only one came back. So the problem is, Jesus looks at the one that came back and said, where are the other nine? But only one. And notice what Jesus said to the one. He said, your faith has made you well or whole. Why would he say that when he's already healed? All of them were healed. It says as they went on their way, they were cleansed. They were healed. Why would he say to this one, your faith has made you well or whole? Because it was more than just a physical healing. He became well in soul and in spirit. More than just in body. But inside, something had shifted. It's kind of like when God met with Zacchaeus in um, Luke chapter 19. And Zacchaeus invites him into his house, feeds him a, a marvelous Thanksgiving dinner. 
And then he offers to give back the money he had stolen, the money he had taken inappropriate. And Jesus uses these words. He says, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your house today. Was Jesus saying that because you gave the money back, you're now saved? Of course not, because we know you're saved by grace through faith. He said, your giving the money back reveals that something has already happened inside of you that is called salvation. And he's saying the same thing to this leper. Your faith has done more than just heal your body. Your faith has made you whole inside. If we're not grateful, if we do not express our thanksgiving, it can actually have the opposite effect. Paul says in Romans 1.21, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, and their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Paul says a lack of gratitude and thanksgiving can lead to a life of emptiness. What do you really value in life that you even have to give thanks for? Do you have things around you for which you are grateful, truly grateful? Because that's what enriches you, gives you joy in life. Um, I know that some of my friends think the internet is completely evil and you should never be there. I think there is evil, there's dangers, and we need to be careful. We need to live aware of what is out there and take steps to be careful. I think that's right. But one of the things I do like that I see on Facebook at this time of the year is people doing a daily thing for which they're grateful. That might be a good thing for you to do. Just take a day. Maybe you don't want to do it. Take a couple of days between now and Thanksgiving. There's only like another three, four days. And write out something for which you're grateful. And actually give thought. Actually give real thought to what it is that you are thankful for. Um, number two, uh, Thanksgiving should be expressed, I said. And number two, Thanksgiving should enlarge something within your own soul. Something grows inside of you when you give thanks. Our Thanksgiving needs to enlarge to the place where it includes three things. Number one, it should include the blessings of life. Now, you all know my wife, Karen. Uh, I think she's uh, an amazing woman. She is a blessing to me and to my family. She's a blessing to this church, whether you know it or not, how many things happen here that she has her fingers involved in. So she is an amazing woman. But one thing you might not know about her that I'm going to tell you today. Um, she loves it when I do this. Um, Karen loves to stand in our house every single day and thank God loudly, vocally, for the dishes I've dirtied, for the floors I've muddied, and for the clothes I've stained. She does that every day. Not so much. Mm, no, no, she doesn't do that. But she could. Because I do all of that. Uh, dirty dishes imply something. It implies you had some food there. You know not everybody has food every day? Dirty dishes means you had some food. Floors being dirtied means you have a floor. I've been at different places in the world where their floor is the ground, if you're lucky. I've been in huts that are made of cow dung. Do you have that? No. You have a nice house or apartment. 
You have a real floor. You might not like your linoleum anymore, but you've got a real floor to mop. Or your hardwood or whatever you happen to have. I don't care. Tile. Um, clothes that get dirty usually mean you have family that are hanging out with you. Somebody close to you. So you really could give thanks for those very things. Do you realize that uh, around the world, 15% of the world goes hungry every single night? Tonight, when you go to sleep after you've eaten at the shower or lumberyard restaurant or hole in the wall or Lori's or Silver Lake or your house, you've eaten today. When you go to bed, 15% of the world will go hungry. That's something to give thanks to God for the fact that He is feeding you. He's taking care of you. And to actually pray for them. That God would be merciful. Um, 80% of disease in this world is caused by lack of clean water. But on Facebook, you complain because the chlorine content seems a little high. A little high. Yeah, I can, I can taste chlorine fluoride in my water. What's wrong with the town? Get it fixed. It's a little bit muddy. They, they, they flush the hydrants and it's a little bit muddy. I, I don't know. It, just, I can, it tastes gritty today. <laughs> Travel the world and get a perspective. Our water at its worst is better than most of their water. Most of the problems that we complain about, if we're honest, are first world problems. They really are. They're, they're, they're not real. They're annoyances. They're things that bug us. We have far more to be grateful for and to give thanks for. We say, thank you God for all your blessings. Um, I had a prayer time today before the service. We do that every Sunday. Today, nobody showed up except for Tessa and Jillian. I said, if you're going to be in here, you're going to pray. So, without a word, without me saying anything more, Jillian prayed, thank you God for this food that we're about to have and bless it in Jesus' name. Apparently that's the prayer she knows. Tessa was much more involved. Thank you God for mom and dad and my family and for this church. Amen. I think it's good that we teach our children from a young age to thank God for specific things. We say, count your blessings, name them one by one. Well, in order to count them, we're supposed to name them. Name what are the blessings that God has given you. Um, there's a little video that um, I saw on somewhere. I don't know where it is. Uh, are we able to do that, guys? Okay. Here we go. Can we put it up on the screen? One, it goes better if you can see it. I, wait a second. We're working at it. She's working. Everybody turn and stare at Michaela because that will help her work better. <laughs> if we can't, it's not a big deal. It was just a video. Oh, wait. Here it's coming. It's coming. Can you do the whole screen? There. Oh, 
<laughs> okay, thank God for your blessings. Things that you normally take for granted that really you shouldn't. The second area under that thing which enlarges within us for which we ought to give thanks is we give thanks not merely for the blessings of life, but this one's a bit harder. We give thanks to God for the burdens of life. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all, circumstance, in all circumstances. You say, well, that's easy for Paul to say. I don't think it really was. Paul had as much issue in his life as you do, and maybe even a little more. Paul had something that's fondly known as a thorn in the flesh. I don't know how fond of it Paul was, but that's kind of what we call it, just flippantly. Oh yeah, Paul had that thorn in the flesh thing. You know, I don't know what that was. I think it maybe it was just, he, he, he had cataracts and he just needed to get surgery. That's all, he needed laser surgery. But it wasn't a big deal. He was fine. But the truth is, he prayed, it says, strongly three times for God to deliver him. Paul also had this happen to him. He, he was run out of town. He was beaten, whipped, imprisoned, betrayed by friends, naked, cold, hungry, shipwrecked, and stoned. And that was before noon. He had a lot of junk in his life too. And he still says, give thanks to God in every circumstance. He said this, uh, I love this kind of, I put these three verses in a row because to me they kind of build one another and, and they help us to get a better perspective about gratitude. The first is Romans 8.18. I consider that the present suffering, the things that we're going through right now, are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. So the first thing about getting a perspective is to know that the stuff of this life is temporary. What you're going through right now, I'm not saying it's not important, I'm not saying it's not hard, but it's for now. There's a then. And this is going to be much shorter than that. If I had a rope that went around this whole church that represents all of eternity, maybe the first inkling of a thread is this life. And we put so much emphasis only on this instead of on that. Paul says, don't forget about the glory that will be revealed. Then in 2 Corinthians 12.10, he says, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He doesn't say, when I am weak, then God is strong, which is how I hear many people quote that. That's not what it says. God's never weak. God's always strong. He doesn't wait for our weakness to suddenly get strong. God's always strong. It's when I am weak, I cry out to God, and I receive something of His strength, and I find there is more to me than what I even thought. It's almost like I was reading an author recently who said, the things we go through, as hard as they are, if we could look back at them with honest, mature eyes, we'd actually thank God for them because they drove us to God in a way that nothing else could. Thanks 
be to God for our burdens. And then Paul says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. The stuff you go through can actually become a testimony to those around you of how you handle things in life by the help of God. When we, like Paul, have a proper perspective, we can give thanks in our circumstance. I didn't say, by the way, give thanks for them. I don't think Paul ever said, give thanks for what's going on. I think he's saying that in the midst of it, if you can keep your eyes on God, you can give thanks for God. There's a verse in the Proverbs that says something like this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred. Hope put off for a long time. Where you have something that's a promise you believe God's given you, and you've put hope in that, and you wait a long, long time, it can actually make you feel sick inside. Will this ever happen? Will anything ever change? I think we missed the whole point. We think, well, the point is God says hope deferred makes our sick, so God, give me my hope. But then what you're doing is you're putting your hope in your expected results. I think what you're supposed to put your hope in is God. If you keep your hope in God, God will never fail you. God is always there. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Not on what you wish would happen. This is not about wishing upon a star. This is about hoping in Christ and keeping your eyes there. I can tell you this after having lived a little bit longer now uh, than I did yesterday. Um, One of the things that I have come to as a conclusion of my life is that some of the times of greatest growth and maturity, some of the times of greatest intimacy with God came when I was in the midst of very trying times. Because it was during those times that I cried out to God like never before. It's during those times that I found myself on my face weeping before God, saying, God, if you don't come through, I've got no hope at all. My hope is in you. So God can even use those. So it's the blessings of life, the burdens of life, and even number three, the, the benefits of life. The psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Uh, when the Israelites focused on what they didn't have, they failed to see all that they did have that God had provided for them. Um, and I think we do that a lot of times. We put the emphasis on what we don't have instead of on what we do have that God has so mercifully given us. Uh, Karen and I, uh, our habit, uh, just because it works for us, I'm not recommending this to anybody else, it just works for us. We pray together and we pray at night. And every night when we pray together, we pray through a list, we pray for some of you by name, some of you just generally, uh, but some of you are in places that we pray for you specifically every night by name. And um, we, we get people regularly will write us or sometimes they'll post on Facebook and we'll write and say, you know, what's the situation as has happened recently with a friend of ours, Dave Roach's wife, uh, Janet, had a stroke and she is literally still fighting for her life and today they're having problems getting her fever down. So we wrote to Dave, we asked what are the details because all he said is he's taken her to the hospital, please pray. So we wanted to know some details and we've been praying for her every night. But here's what we found is that we have over time added to our list again and again names of people who have contacted and said, would you pray for us, please? We said, yeah, we'll join with you. We'll pray for you. But you know one of the things that frustrates me, I don't know about Karen, but it frustrates me, is when people ask for prayer for something, a very specific thing, and we pray faithfully and we keep praying only to find out that six months ago God already answered that prayer. 
And you never bothered to let anybody know. You never gave thanks to God for His benefits. You never let us know. We never hear another word until something else comes up and you want prayer for that. I think we need to learn to thank God for His benefits and let people know what it is that He has done in our lives. Now, can hard things happen in our lives? Sure. Uh, I think the danger is we begin to compare our stuff with somebody else's stuff. Well, you did it for them, but you didn't do it for me. And I think that will always get us in trouble. So many people bemoan the struggles that they're in, but they forget the fact that you're alive to moan. You're alive. I've said this to you again and again over the years because it's just a staggering thought to me. I have people who come to me and say, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. They said that 25 years ago and they're still here. That means you made it through. Thank God for His benefits. Um, a, um, an experiment was done in New York Central Park some years ago where an advertising firm paid a man to dress up like a homeless person. He looked bad. They put him out on the sidewalk right in the junction of all of the roads that connect in Central Park. And they had cameras all panned around. And he sat there and he held the cup. He was shown not only to be homeless, but blind. And he had a cup with a sign that says, I'm blind, can you help? The first day, he collected $4. Hundreds and even thousands of people passed through those cameras. He collected $4. They let that go on for a few days and it was basically the same. Then the advertising firm took his sign away and put up a new sign. The new sign said, it's spring and I can't see. Held out his cup and that day his cup overfloweth. Because suddenly people realized, I've got all these benefits that I take for granted and here's this poor guy who can't see any of it. Thank God for his benefits. So, Thanksgiving is to number one, be expressed. Number two, it's to be enlarging in nature. And number three, Thanksgiving is expected. Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances because, because, because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You want to know what God's will is? People come all the time and say, I just know what God's will is for me. I can tell you what God's will is. It's to give thanks in all, all circumstances. That's God's will for you. I don't care what else you're dealing with. God's will is that you give thanks. Thanksgiving, uh, I'm going to give three points under this and then end, but Thanksgiving basically, when we do according to that which God has said, when we give thanks because it's expected by God, I believe it reveals three things. Number one, Thanksgiving is a mark of a growing Christian. Um, you take a little baby, um, and maybe that baby's colicky, you know, it's got some problems, struggling, and it cries a lot. You walk the floor so that you're losing sleep at night. You're exhausted, but your baby's crying. And you walk, and you cradle that baby, and you hold that baby, you love that baby, you pray for that baby, you make up songs, you sing over the baby. Go to sleep, go to sleep, Jonathan, my son. Go to sleep, go to sleep. Then we go to, we need our sleep, and you do too. So you make up songs, you walk this child, 
Finally, the child settles down and it goes to sleep and you put the child down and they never look up at you and say, thanks so much. Thank you. That meant so much to me. We have to train our children as they grow up to say thank you. How many of you as parents have ever had to say to your children, say thank you? It's not something that you automatically come to. But when it's cultivated into the heart of a child, it's a really life-giving thing. Isn't it great when you're a parent and your child says thank you without prompting? You love it. It's a mark that the child is getting it. The child is growing up. The child is maturing. In the same way, when you give thanks, it's a mark that you are growing and maturing as a believer, as a Christian. You're seeing that God really is worth giving thanks to. And all that He puts around you is worth it too. Number two, thanksgiving is also a mark of a giving Christian. When we realize how much God has done for us, it's all of God, then there ought to be something in us that says, I want to be like my Father in heaven. I want to be a giver like Him. And I'm not talking just about finances, although that's involved in it. I'm talking about your time and your energy and your heart and why you do what you do. Is there something in you that wants to be a giver like your Father in heaven is a giver? James says this, every good and perfect gift, you guys all have gifts, you all came to church dressed today, that's a gift. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. God has given you so much for which you ought to give thanks. Um, Karen and I enjoy going out to eat, to restaurants. Uh, I like it. She will come and you know, during the day I'll be in the office working and we Skype to one another all throughout the day uh, and, or sometimes we'll do it texting, whatever. And she'll say, you know, when are you coming home for dinner? And I'll say, where are we going? And she'll say, well, I was going to make dinner here. I said, okay. And she'll say, what do you want? I said, well, I just thought we might go out. I can make dinner. I, I said, I know you can make dinner. Your dinners are what got me to where I was. Um, so I'm trying their dinners because their dinners are keeping me where I am. Um, and so we, we, we enjoy going out to a restaurant. And every once in a while, you guys know what I mean. I've talked to Paul about it several times over the years because his brother kind of wanted to be this kind of person who trained people how to wait. Every once in a while, you get a really good waiter or waitress. You know, really good, who pays attention to you. You don't have to whistle across the room to get their attention. Excuse me, excuse me, you haven't waited on us yet. You get a really good waitress. And you want to give a tip. You want to give. I think the going rate is 18%, I was told. But you might even want to do more, 20%, 25%. You want to do something just to bless and to say thank you for your service. Isn't it interesting that we don't mind giving 15 18 20% in a restaurant, but there are Christians who bemoan the fact that God actually asks them to give 10% in their tithe? The same God that gives you breath to breathe. And money to buy that food at the restaurant. And you don't want to. The mark of a growing Christian is a giving Christian because you've learned how to give thanks. 
Um, and again, please hear me. It's not about just your money. It's about your heart. It's where your, where your desire is, where your passion is. And number three, under the same point, is our thanksgiving is also the mark of a glowing Christian. I couldn't think of a better word. It's got to be a better one out there. Somebody will help me. All I'm trying to say by this is, when you become a thankful person, it becomes something that actually manifests itself in your person, in your demeanor. I couldn't think of another better word. I hate to use this word even publicly, but it's the only word I could think of. It gives you an aura that is different. And I don't mean something New Age weirdish. I'm just talking about your, your very visage. How you comport yourself changes because you act like a person who lives aware that God is good. He's kind to me. And I want everybody to know it. It changes how... Think about the people that you like to hang out with. Who likes to hang out with somebody who's always critical and judgmental? Who's never grateful? Isn't there something in you that likes to hang out with somebody who just lives life a little bit happier than that? Lives grateful? Um, that, that is a giver and likes to give. There's something in us that like this. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4.8. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes. This is the point. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Pay attention to what's eternal in life. Don't get so caught up in all of this stuff of drama. There are some people that just drama goes with them everywhere. Ask yourself why. Well, you know, so-and-so. What's the common element here? Oh yeah, you are. Ask yourself why drama goes with you. And then say, maybe I want to become a different kind of person and I'm going to, by God's grace, see His grace change me from the inside out. Change who I am. I, I don't know how many of you have ever heard of Henry Frost. Henry Frost, uh, I'd be surprised if you have heard of him actually. Henry Frost was the man who worked with Hudson Taylor in helping to establish the China Inland Mission. But he knew that the location in which they had set it up was not going to be the most advantageous. So he actually set their base of operations, their headquarters in the United States, and he was the first director of it. He was a long-term missionary who also served on the field for years and years and years in China. Saw very little results, became very discouraged. He says this, this is out of his diary. I had received sad news from home and deep shadows had covered my soul. I prayed, but the darkness did not vanish. I summoned myself to endure, but the darkness only deepened. Then I went to an inland station and saw on the wall of the mission home these words, try thanksgiving. I did. And in that moment, every shadow was gone, never to return. Are you going through some stuff? Have you tried thanksgiving? It might be that living thankful and giving thanks would change something at the core of your being. <coughs> Excuse me. What I'd like to do is to challenge you today with two things. Just two simple things. Number one, why not between now and Thanksgiving? We're talking about four whole days. Find something for which you can be thankful and actually express it 
to someone. Now, maybe you'll do it online on Facebook. I don't care. But find someone that you can show your thanks to. You can say thanks. Uh, I was driving home last night with my wife. Uh, hadn't been feeling good, but uh, felt good enough to do this. We went out. We had to go get some stuff for the shower late last night. And we were coming home. And at one point, we were talking about some different situations. And I, I looked at her. And again, you'd have to know what kind of a... I mean, you guys, sometimes I think you guys need to get a really different perspective of me. You look at me in certain ways. Some of you guys look at me, stare at me. I think, you got to know that this doesn't get all that good. Uh, and so I looked at my wife. We were holding hands in the car, and I just said, thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for not quitting. Thank you for not killing me one day in my sleep. Because I really deserved it. Thank you for not... I just, I'm thankful. I really am. I am thankful for my wife that she actually loves me. With all of my stupidities, my frailties, my weakness, my sins, she still loves me. I wouldn't love me. I don't love me all the time. And I'm thankful. Find somebody that you can say thank you to. Thank you. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe that would be a good place to start. Thank your spouse. If you're going home and having lunch, thank your spouse. If you're going to a restaurant, thank your spouse anyways. Um, so the number one, between now and Thanksgiving, find something for which you can give thanks. Number two, before you leave this church today, find somebody that you can share something that you're thankful for. Find somebody before you even leave this building and say, you know, I was thinking this week about this and I just want to say, I'm thankful for this. And maybe it will be about that person. Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll just be somebody that you're talking to and you say, you know, Pastor Chris asked me to do this. And I want to say, I'm thankful for breath. I've been sick for, well, I got sick on October 2nd. And it hasn't gone away. And finally on Friday? Friday. Karen's looking at me like, I don't know where you're going, so I can't answer that. On Friday, I went to see the doctor. And he gave me some pills. And honestly, I'm feeling a whole lot better. I'm thankful I can breathe again. Find somebody today before you leave the building for whom you can share something. That's in addition to the other days. That doesn't count for today even. That's an extra. Can you do two in one day? Yes. God says, Simon says yes. Well, for some of you, you react better to Simon than you do to God. So I thought I would just say, God said Simon. Would you stand? Tell someone of God's goodness to you. To you. Not general, specific. Something for which you're grateful to God and to them. Father, I thank you for this day, for the time that we've had together. And uh, with Tessa, I thank you for this church that we can come together like this and that the kids can be downstairs cared for by our children's workers in such a marvelous way. I know that Ashley leads them and she's so creative and uh, caring and she instills that in her team and they serve uh, in what is too often a thankless job because we forget to say thank you. But Father, even as parents, as we go down to get our kids or our grandkids, we want to be able to say, thank you for doing this for ours. Thank you for people sitting around me 
who have proven over the years their commitment to me and their love to me. Thank you for family here that we're together in this and that we are growing up together. We're fellow journey people on the road of faith. I thank you for your kindness to us through all of the days of our lives from saving us, Lord, of all, all people on earth. Christians ought to be the most thankful because you have saved us. You have forgiven us of our sins. You have loved us, even as we sang today, with this reckless abandonment. You don't love us because you're hoping we'll get better. You just love us. And if we could receive that love, we would get better, but that's not why you love us. You don't love us to get us. You love us because you love. Thank you for all of that and all of the many blessings you have given us over all of these years. Thank you, Father. Help us to be not merely grateful people, not merely thankful people, but people who give thanks and live thankful. We pray it in the name of Christ. Amen. God bless.